Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Lisa Stone and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 10 of the Parenting Aces Podcast, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and this week, Coach Todd Whittem is back on the podcast. I'm really excited to chat with him because those of you who have been listening recently hopefully heard or saw my interview with Orlando and Xander Bravo. Xander has been training with Coach Todd Whittem for the past several months, and we heard father and son's perspective on what's been going on with Xander's tennis and why he's been able to make the progress he has since coming down to Florida to train. But now we're going to hear from the coach, and we're going to hear what specifically the coach has been doing and the changes that he's seen implemented that have led to Xander's success and his um, getting recruited by Brown University, which is huge to go play men's tennis. So when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm excited to have Todd back on, and we're going to talk about a lot of things that have gone into his work with Xander and just some general topics that Todd will touch on in terms of coaching junior players and getting them ready to play at the highest levels of either college tennis or moving on to the pro tour. But before I bring Todd on, I want to just remind you, if you haven't already, we'd love to have you become a premium member of Parenting Aces. You can do that by going to parentingaces.com. Oh, goodness. Um, Parentingaces.com and clicking the join button. And it's all very self-explanatory. We have three different levels of membership, and we'd love for you to become part of our online community. And with that, I am going to bring Todd on. Hopefully, we have switched to doing our podcast on Zoom, so it's a little bit different from what I've been doing before. Todd, hopefully, you can hear me, and uh, oh, here he comes. Hey, Todd. Hey, Lisa. How are you? Good. It's a Friday evening and it's been a long week and I know you've had a long week too, but um, just really quickly to my audience, if you're listening to this podcast and would like to watch the video version, I forgot to mention this in the intro, please go to parentingaces.com or the Parenting Aces YouTube channel and you can see me and Todd and our shining faces live and in person. (laughs) So um, that said, Todd, hey. Good to see you. Good to see you too. How's it's, it going? It's been a while. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like I've been talking to some of the families that have been working with you, but haven't talked to you directly in quite a long time, other than our text message exchanges, which happen on a regular basis, but that's a whole other story. Um, so I'm really excited to hear your input on Xander's story. And again, for my listeners, if you missed my podcast with Xander and Orlando Bravo, I hope you will go back and listen slash watch that one. Uh, It's a great story. And Todd's been working with Xander for what, the past year or so? January of this year. January. Okay. So 10 months now it's, it's October 1st when we're recording this. Um, So He has made huge leaps and bounds, both in his ability, his focus, his ratings and rankings, and so much so that Brown University recruited him to come play tennis for them next year. What do you attribute that to, other than fabulous coaching from you? (laughs) The student has to do the work there, Lisa. This is true. I can only lead the horse to the water, right, as they say. Yes. Um, Well, I mean, if we start from the beginning, you know, every student goes through an assessment, whether they're coming for a week, a month, full time, periodically uh, throughout the year uh, in and out of my system. So, you know, I I did the assessment with Xander and, uh, you know, it it was it was it was interesting. Right. (laughs) That was a, a nice way to put it. Right. Orlando was there. Right. And so. He was there and he was just watching and, and I'm going through the assessment and, you know, I looked at his ranking and, and his ratings and, uh, and I know that, you know, it was Xander's goal and dream to play uh, in the starting lineup of an Ivy league school. And, um, and so, you know, I, I started going through the assessment like I do with every other student. Right. So just so you know, Pierre, my, my, my partner, Pierre Arnold usually does most of them, but I did Xander's this time. So, you know, I do, I do them occasionally, but usually Pierre does them based on the schedule and everything. Mm -hmm. So, and let me interrupt you one second, a little, a little piece of the backstory here is the dad Orlando played at Brown, played tennis at Brown. He had a, a great junior tennis career, a great college tennis career, and went on to have phenomenal success in the business world. So the dad's there watching and the dad knows what he's looking at, right? I mean, he's been through this process, so he gets it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he played tennis at a very high level. I've actually hit with him a bunch of times. He's still an excellent player, very, very high-level player. So, you know, I'm going through the assessment, and it's going through my brain, you know, what, what needs to be tweaked or fixed or developed. And I thought it was pretty good. I mean, technically he didn't need to make many changes, mm-hmm. right? I mean, some tweaks here and there, but nothing major, right? Nothing major about grips and swings and, and stuff like that. Um, the physicality needed a lot of work, the mentality, how he was going to construct points, how he was going to develop his game to play at the Ivy league level. All those things needed major, major work. Um, but in terms of technically, I turned to his dad, I said, technically he's good, yeah. right? I mean, Orlando, he's, he's good. Um, but the one thing that really stood out is that after I finished my assessment, which goes for about an hour and a half, 
I put him into drills and sets with some of the other students. And what I told him and what I said that he needed to do to achieve his goal of playing it at the Ivy League level, it was implemented immediately Hmm. in the first practice set. And I was like, whoa, I was like a little blown away, right? That he was already putting it into play. That, that what did you tell him? I said, first of all, you're way too defensive. Um, you're very passive. You're not taking the point to the player. You're waiting for the ball. You know, that. no offense to anyone. This is kind of like a junior tennis mentality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, rally. I'm going to grind it. I'm going to wait for my opponent to hopefully miss. Maybe they give me a short ball. You know, maybe I can transition, but I'm going to try not to miss. And that is not how you're going to get to higher levels of tennis. Okay. That may work up to a certain point, usually, at, you know, younger levels, you know, younger divisions. But when you start getting to the 16 and unders and the 18 and unders and, you know, in, into college tennis, you need to start playing some, some, some big, big player tennis. And, and so uh, you noticed that in the assessment, just by hitting with him and you told him, Hey, you know, these are the things that need to change. If you're going to reach this next level, then you put him right into drills and practice sets. And he was on top of doing it. He was, it, he was listening to the coach and implementing what the coach said. It was, it was applied immediately. And I was like a little like, you know, in, in, in shock. I mean, because, you know, he doesn't know me. I don't know him at all. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I'm just some random coach that, you know, is, is putting, you know, taking a look at him and seeing if it's going to work out and the commitment level on their part and on, on my end as well. You know, what can we do with this student? How can we help them? Um, and I was I was pleasantly surprised. And, and, you know, I don't know if I've ever seen that from a student that brought the amount of energy and was applying the information that I told him in the, in the next, you know, part of the practice. And he's what, 16, 17 at this point? Age 17, he was 16. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there was a level of emotional maturity there that maybe a lot of 16 year olds don't possess. Um, but for those, again, those who watched or listened to my interview with Xander, it comes across very clearly that this is a kid who, you know, he gets it. He understands the hard work. He's willing to do the hard work, but also he's got the maturity level to understand what he needs to do if he's going to reach the goals that he has set for himself. This isn't just a kid saying, I want to be number one in the world you know, as a dream. No, he, he understood. He, he knew why he was coming and he knew it was his choice. As he told us in the interview, it was, it was his choice to, you know, basically leave his, his family and his friends and his, and his life in San Francisco to come and really train full time, Mm -hmm. um, system. And, uh, you know, that was, that's a tremendous, you know, tremendous thing to do at, at such a young age. Um, and, and so as I'm going through this first day, what's going through my mind is I'm thinking this kid can do it. Right. And I turned to Orlando. I said, your son can play Ivy league tennis. And, and, you know, through my system, I've had, I've had a bunch that have gone Ivy league 
And so, you know, I, I think I know the, the level pretty well and what needed to be developed and, and, and the maturity of, of him. And, uh, and they also knew, and, and here's, you know, here's what I think is special is also is that he knew that he's on the clock. And so for, for everyone that, that understands what I do in Florida, my first bunch of years training students, it wasn't that I was starting with 10 and 12 year olds. I was starting with kids 15 to 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Xander fit that mold of, you know, there are things that need to be developed, maybe some things that need to be tweaked or fixed and you're on the clock and we better get to it. And every moment counts. And he knew this. Right. And, and the other thing that was, that was really great. And especially, you know, with, with a father that played very high level tennis is that Orlando knew what his son needed. Okay. He needed very intense training, no nonsense and tournaments that were going to be local in the area, the UTRs that are Mm -hmm. local. And he was going to have coaching at each tournament and we were going to assess how, you know, all of the practices, all of the tournaments and go right back to training. There was no traveling to faraway places. There was no wasted time. There was none of that. Okay. Xander came out every single day at 8 a.m. and did about an hour and a half private with me every single morning. And we're battling. Many times we were competing against each other. Okay. Maybe, maybe many of you have seen the clips on Instagram, maybe some funny ones. Maybe Xander's not so happy. He keeps losing to me, but it's okay. <laughs> okay. But he's, he's working hard, but they're really, Orlando said, I want him to stay local. I want him to play UTRs, no traveling, no traveling abroad. This needs to be very intense and he needs to be trained very well and very hard. And I was like, Wow this is music to my ears. Yeah, This guy knows what he's talking about, which is really how we manage many of our students. Right. Okay. We are all about the training and the management of each student. Okay. And so that's how we've been doing it for 11 years. That's how I was brought up. There's no nonsense. There's no wasted time. Everything is based on training and tournament scheduling and when to play, when not to play, when to train at a certain level, when to start fixing certain things, you know, the whole, the whole, the, the whole management. Right. And so. Well, that- can I interrupt you again? Sorry. I know I keep doing that, sure. but um, the thing that's jumping out at me is the fact that the father said, I don't want to waste time traveling. I don't want to waste money traveling and understand that money is not an issue for this family. Um, but he was very clear that he knew that, as you said, Xander's on the clock. We have one year to get his game ready to play at the Ivy League college level. And we can't waste time flying here, there, and everywhere. There's plenty of opportunities for him to compete locally against high-level players and to have the coaches there watching every step of the way, assessing his performance, coming back to the practice court, working on the things that showed up in the tournament weekend. I mean, it's very efficient. It's cost-effective. It's time-effective. Why aren't more people training that way and competing that way? I can't tell you. Mike <laughs> was managed by Pierre Arnold. I was handed to him 
and, and his late partner, but I was handed off to them and whatever they said, my mom did. No questions asked. When does Todd play? When does he train? What should we do? You manage it, mm -hmm. right? So this was the same exact scenario of, here's my child, develop, develop Xander into mm -hmm. the best that he can become. And let's see if he can really make that brown lineup. That was really the first discussion with Orlando on the phone with him and I was, if my son could play in the starting lineup at Brown or any other Ivy League, whatever he would love to do, that would just be amazing. Xander mm -hmm. accomplished that in four months of this training. Yeah. Very so, no nonsense. Right. So a question that comes up a lot on the parenting aces tennis parents only Facebook group where, you know, the parents are exchanging information, sharing concerns is the fact that, you know, my kids got great technique, they're fit, they move well around the court, they know how to do everything right, but they can't win tournaments. What's going on? And Xander was in a similar place, right? I mean, he had the basics. He needed more fitness work, obviously, but, you know, he, he knew how to strike a ball. He knew how to hit different kinds of spin, different kinds of shots. He knew how to move, but his rating and ranking weren't reflecting that because he wasn't able to implement it when it counted at tournaments. How, what do you, well, how do you manage that? Sure. So what I feel is that in my mind, any student that comes to me, whether it's a 12 year old, whether it's Xander at 16, you know, whether it's Sun Wu Kwan, right. Who's a, who's, you know, who had a killing great, it on tour right now. Yeah. A week ago, we're super happy and super proud. Very exciting. Um, is that in my mind, I'm thinking of, you know, what their goals are, their dreams are, and we have to develop a game and help them develop for the future. Mm. Every drill, every part of fitness is customized to that individual. You cannot train every player the same. So, so here's, here's an interesting little tidbit about how we started. So after maybe it was the first week or two, I go with Xander to, to the local UTR and he wins his first round match you know, maybe surrenders a couple of games and he comes off the court and he's like, Hey, that was good. Right. That was, that was good. And I said, no, it was not good. You didn't apply what we've been training to do. You played soft. You weren't ripping the ball. You weren't serving and volleying. You weren't playing aggressive. And no, he's like, yeah, but I found a way to win. And I said, I agree. Yeah, that, that, that's great. But you did not apply any of the training. And him, and him and Orlando were like in shock what I was telling them. And I said, if you want to be good, you better start applying the training, not only, you know, in training, right. but under pressure. Okay. And that is super important. So you can try to give all the students pressure and be in pressure moments and everything, but nothing is like a tournament scenario. Okay. And so that's what you're really assessing when you go to a tournament. Are the students applying what they've been trained to do? And are they playing tight? Are they going for their shots? Are they playing the right way or are they not? And if they're not, you are not getting better. Unfortunately, I'm sorry to say that, but you're not improving. So let me, let me just kind of summarize that. Winning does not equal improving. 
that is a hundred percent accurate. Yeah. Right. If you are, whatever you're working on in with your coach, you know, maybe it's technical, tactical, what, whatever the case shall be. If your child or student is not applying that under the most, most pressure they're going to feel, which is a tournament match, then either they don't trust it. They maybe need to believe in themselves a lot more, or you haven't been working on those elements enough for them to trust it, to bring it into that tournament match. So it's not fixed and it's not developed. Well, and the flip side of that is losing does not equal not improving, right? You can lose playing the right way and show that you trust what your coach is teaching, trust your ability to implement what your coach is teaching and still not win the match because either you're not able to execute every stroke or you're just facing an opponent who played better that day. It, it happens all the time. We, we don't base success on wins and losses. What Pierre and I are doing, we're basing success on, are they applying our teachings? Mm-hmm. And we know that if they become better at applying our teachings and they believe in it, then they're going to become a much better player. If they don't, you're, you're in trouble. Right. And eventually, hopefully the wins will come as long as the player is committed and is working on whatever's keeping them from winning prior. Right. So if, if there's something in the mental game that, you know, maybe they're getting anxious before they play and, and they haven't found their good routines between points or on side changes or their pre-match, you know, routine to get them in the right headspace to compete. I mean, there are a lot of factors that go into winning a tennis match, but for someone who is still developing, it sounds to me what you're saying, Todd, is you're looking for the player to trust the coaching, to implement the coaching, and the win or the loss is irrelevant through the development, right? I mean, of course, everybody prefers to win. And it's always more fun when you come home with the W, as my family will attest to with me and my ladies' league tennis. <laughs> I'm much nicer on the days I win. <laughs> but, but I mean, there's, there's a process at work here. It's not just one day you win and one day you lose. There's, it's, it's a, a progression, right? You're, you're, you're trying to build the student, right? And so, you know, it, and based on their, their goals. So, you know, is, are you, are you coaching for the short term or the long term for this, for this student? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, m- the majority of my students are looking to play at amazing colleges. So I want them to have a certain style and a certain game when they walk through that door in, in college tennis, I want them to be really rocking and rolling and have a great full total game that the coach in college does not need to touch or develop a thing. That's my job mm. my job is to develop the player so that they're ready to win for that coach in college, mm-hmm. prepping them. Yeah. Okay. So they're going to win. Uh, when they're going to lose all those things are going to go through great times, maybe some very difficult times, but they're going to learn and we're going to move on. And all the things that we feel need to be tweaked or fixed when their tournament is over, we are back working on those things immediately. 
So the question of, you know, my kids got all the tools, but still isn't winning. At what age is that a concern? I mean, we know we've talked about this a million times. You and I have talked about it. I've talked about it with other coaches that, you know, nobody cares who's number one in the 10 and unders or the 12 and unders, right? It's it, at that point, it's development, development, development. But at some point, winning does become important. And so what do you say to a, a parent and a player uh, that's 16, 17 years old and not winning? Well, I think you have to assess the situation. What, what are maybe the issues of why that player maybe is not having the results that they desire? Um, maybe it's training, maybe it's mental, maybe it's tactical, maybe it's physical. Maybe the parents are putting a lot of pressure on, on their child without maybe even knowing it, or they think they're doing the right thing and, and the child is, is not handling it well emotionally. You have, to, you have to look at many different things as a coach. You know, I mean, if, if, if you're giving groups and lessons, right, and, and you're just giving a, a one-hour lesson to a student, you're not going to really look that deep into, you know, why and how, right? right. But I'm thinking, you know, the commitment for me to Xander and his dad was 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. every single day than either myself or Pierre at every single tournament. And we're assessing all the time the next thing that needs to be developed. Okay. Maybe that's not everyone's situation, but you know, that that's, you know, you, you have to put a lot of time and hours into these children, understand maybe their previous coaching situations, maybe their parenting and try to figure all this out to try to help that student. It's not just a one-hour tennis lesson or a group or five or eight kids on a court. And then, Hey, let's hope they go win in a tournament. It's, it's, it's not happening. It's not. Right. And I mean, again, getting back to Xander's story, you know, he understood the timeline that, and the time crunch that he was under his dad certainly understood it. And you absolutely, you and Pierre understood it because you've done this lots of times with lots of different players that's a different level of commitment than getting someone in at age nine and taking them all the way through the journey. Right. Right. What, I don't even know the right question to ask you on this, but I feel like there's somehow a disconnect in a lot of parents' minds and maybe a lot of coaches' minds too about what the role is of the tennis coach at as the kids are coming through. And when you're getting a kid at age 16, 17, and you've got them for eight, nine months before they're hopefully going to be recruited and go off to college, how do you balance working with a kid in that situation and the kids that you've got, the younger kids that you've got lots of time with? Well, they're trained differently. Okay. So, so if you're explaining this to a parent, how would you explain it? I'm not even asking a very good question, but I'm hoping you get what I'm trying to ask here. What's the difference of maybe developing a 12 year old or a kid that's on the time clock on the clock, right? College. Right. So we're assessing in the, in that initial assessment, that's already what's going through my brain, right. Or Pierre. How much time you have with them, right? The 12 year old, or maybe the 16 or 17 year old that's on the clock Mm -hmm. We're we're assessing that 
what needs to be developed, right? And the style of play that they need to be able to implement in their tournaments, um, what needs to be cleaned up, how long it actually takes to clean certain things up if they're on the clock, if they're, you know, say 18 years old, right? So those are all the, there's many things that are going through my mind on, and, and, and also the level of college that this particular player would love to go to. Right. So, you know, that all those things, you know, are, are going through my mind. And, and then on top of it, you need 100% trust from the parents to do your job. Okay. This situation was, here's my son, develop him. I trust you 100%. Okay. If you don't have that, it's going to be very difficult. Okay. Why did, why did they have that trust in you? What, what happened prior to Xander coming for that assessment that gave the family the feeling that you were the guy to help Xander get where he wanted to go? I think, and this isn't everyone's case. I mean, I, you know, not, 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 not every, not every tennis parent is someone who played <laughs> at Boletari's in the heyday with the best tennis players on the planet. Okay. And played very high level national junior tennis. Oh, and yeah. Very- I forgot to mention the fact that Orlando's roommate at Boletari was Jim Courier. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was playing with Andre Agassi as well. Right. <laughs> so, so he knew what he was looking at. I think he understood he understood where we come from is that for us to get excited to train a student we want to do things properly and the right way okay the the way that I was brought up with Pierre and his partner was that if we're going to do it we're going to do it the right way mm-hmm. and if not we're not doing it okay for me to get excited to get on the court each day I want to know that that student is giving me everything they have. They're all, and I'm doing it as well. There's commitment here. Okay. And that's what gets me excited that this student is progressing at a rapid rate and that they can achieve their goals and dreams because it's a very good situation. And we enjoy being with that student each and every day. For me, that's the joy of the job. Well, and I'm going to tell you, I've talked to parents who brought their kids down to you who have said, you know, my kid's just not ready to put in that level of time or work. And so it's just not the right place for my child at this time. And that's okay too, right? I mean, you would rather know that up front. The parents certainly need to know and understand it up front. And the kid needs to understand what they're signing on for so that everybody, you know, it's a win all over, you know, for each party here. Right. Well, you know, understand that my business model is, is quite different than, than many of the other business models is that you're getting me, you're getting Pierre, you're getting another gentleman, Bruce, that, that trained me as well with Pierre. You might be on the court with Sun Wu Kwan and Daniel Yu. Okay. And so this is, this is not, Hey, let's go out and, you know, play some recreational tennis. This is commitment on both ends. And I'm looking at it that I'm investing five hours at the minimum every single day into this particular student or students in, in, in my arena. 
and they're committed just as much as I'm committed. And for me, that's fun. Mm-hmm. It's the other way where maybe students aren't that committed and, you know, they, you know, they don't want to train, you know, at that level. And, but then they go to tournaments and they're not happy with their results. You know what? In tennis, you always get what you deserve. You can't hide. I have a very good friend of mine who played very high level NHL hockey. Right. And he said, you know what, Todd, and, and he plays recreational tennis now at the club and everything. I'm, I'm very close with him. And he said, you know what, Todd, if I'm having a bad game, they put me on the bench. I go hang out. I chill out. I try to get it together in tennis. You cannot hide. Right. And if anyone sees my posts on social media, Instagram or Facebook. Many times I put hashtag the results. They never lie. Right. And so that's what it comes down to mm-hmm. is that are you are the juniors continually improving? Do they love what they're doing? And, you know, are they in the right situation to achieve what they would love to achieve? Well, and I kind of want to go back to a topic that you and I have discussed many, many times over the years, which is ranking versus developmental level, right? That there are kids that the family, the coach, the player, they're all willing to fly here and there looking for weaker competition to build a ranking so that they can say, you know, I'm top 10, I'm top 20, whatever. But their development to achieve that ranking may not be commiserate with the number of on their ranking. So what I love about about what you've done with Xander, and and I suspect you do this with a lot of kids, is you're not point chasing. He's not looking for weak competition, just the opposite. You're looking for the toughest competition for him to assess where he is in a given moment and then train based on what you're seeing in competition. There's a big difference in flying all over the place looking for weak competition just to win matches and earn ranking points that are awarded because you got to a certain round in a tournament versus facing the competition that's in front of you and finding whatever it is that you need inside to compete at that high level. Whether or not you win is somewhat irrelevant, but showing that you have the guts to face the tough competition and raise your level to whoever's on the other side of the net says a lot about who you are as a person. And especially for a kid that wants to play in college, college coaches look for those kinds of kind of intangibles, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, just for the viewers, I'm always, I'm, I'm, we're not looking for tougher competition. We're looking for how that player is going to learn and how they're going to get better. Okay. We're the, the goal but you're is also not, not avoiding the tough competition. Never. Our students could be losing quite often in these UTRs. We're putting 14 and 15 year old kids and they're playing professionals and college players in UTRs all the time. And we're assessing and they're getting experience against players 
that are much older, much stronger, and now they understand why we're doing things on a daily basis. Mm. It's educational. Okay. I've never, I never ever send players to go chase points because if you're really thinking about development and trying to help players get better, that isn't any development and that isn't about getting better. So that doesn't really compute in my mind. I was suffering in South Florida as a 12 year old and a 14 year old losing to the same players all the time. And it took me years to start defeating some of these players. And you know what it was? Yeah. Go back to training and get better. You're not good enough. There, yeah. That's it. There you go. Which sometimes we don't want to say that to kids, right? We don't want to be honest with them. Like, and it's a fine line as a parent, you, you know, you're, you feel like it's your responsibility to build a child's self-esteem to, to help them be confident in the world, to, you know, feel um, like they can achieve whatever they set out to achieve. If they're willing to put the work in as a parent, you don't want to say to your kid, well, you lost that match today because you're not good enough. But as a coach, you can say that. Is it your responsibility as the coach to say that? Do you feel? Yeah, these are the areas that you have to get better at. And I mean, there's a nice way to say it. You don't have to say it nasty, but but I mean, do you see that as as part of your role is is to be honest in assessing a player's where they are right now and how they perform that day? You know, I, I don't see you as somebody who sugarcoats anything. Does that really help the student? That's my point. Are you a coach or you're looking for your next paycheck? Right? A great coach is going to give you the truth, whether you like it or maybe you don't like it that much. Uh, sorry to say, right? A true coach does that, right? And and the results are, are, are showing that we have to help you and you have to help yourself get better in certain areas to achieve what you would love to achieve. And are you willing to do that on a daily basis? Are you being true to yourself and you really have, have a big desire to achieve what you say you would love to achieve? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That that's, you know, that that's it's holding that's, them accountable to their goals. You say, okay. this is your goal. Here's, I'm telling you as your coach, this is what you have to do to get there. Now it's your choice. Do it and achieve the goal. Don't do it. Don't achieve the goal. Your choice. Right. And just, just understand that, you know, those goals that if they're lofty goals, you know, for, for that individual, if the child is not willing, or even the coach is not willing to put in those hours each and every day to help that student. I'm not sorry. Yeah. No. Well, and and there is, I mean, we've we've said this already, but there's this element of trust that has to be there. The player has to trust that the coach knows what he or she is doing in terms of guiding the player down the path. The parent has to trust that the coach knows what he or she is doing. And bringing it back to Xander and Orlando Bravo, they have that trust in you. Xander bought in from the first moment he was on the court with you. Orlando obviously bought in prior to that, or he wouldn't have brought Xander to you in the first place because 
he knows tennis. He understands what it takes. And if he didn't have that faith that you were going to be able to help his son, he wouldn't have brought his son to you to begin with. They were coming from San Francisco. This was a big deal. So as a coach, how do you feel or what do you feel is your responsibility in building that trust with the parents and with the the player so that you all are working toward a goal together? Well, I mean, it was very clear of what we were going to do on a daily basis, what needed to be developed and how we were going to go about doing that. And the team that I was going to put around, not only Xander, but my other students. Mm. Right. So, you know, I, I did, I, I did and do most of the work with Xander but I also have the rest of my team. We, we, we share the students, right? But either the, the other coaches have either trained me or I've trained with them. We've been together for a very long time. So when you say, you know, when, when you start talking about, hey, there's too many cooks in the kitchen and too many, you know, too many opinions and too many coaches. Yeah, that is true. The vast majority of, of the time but I've been with these individuals for many, many years, right? Pierre, 20 years, uh, another gentleman, Bruce Farrington, 10 years, Daniel, you, we trained under Pierre, Daniel from when he was 14, myself, when I was six, all the way through our professional careers. So the team that that's what I'm putting around these students. And I'm consulting with the others as well of, you know, as well about, What's the next stage? What, what are the next things that need to be developed for this individual? Okay. Um, you know, but you need, you need the trust from the parents or else you don't really have much there. Right. That, that's, that's, that's the, the real interesting part is that you could have a great relationship with the student. You can be doing a great job with the student, but the parent is the driving force right? They have to, they have to have a hundred percent trust. And I knew from the first day that based on Xander, his dad and his mom, that this was going to be a very good scenario to see if this boy could achieve his goals. And after four months, he was already at the level. And before he was even committed to college and the, and the, and the coaches were coming out, I told his mother, I said, your son's going to be playing Ivy league tennis for sure. hundred percent. No doubt he will be in the starting lineup at an Ivy League school. And so he committed to Brown this summer, uh, this past summer. What's he doing now? And what do you feel like he needs to do now before he sets foot on the Brown campus to be 100% ready to hit the ground running? Sure. So because I think a lot of kids, sorry, I think a lot of kids, once they make that commitment, there's this kind of slack period where they're yeah. like, oh, I've signed, you know, I'm good. I can just kind of play around. And then they get to college and it's a massive wake up call. Well, understand that you you're committed to that program and to that coach and that and that university. So that's a, that's a responsibility that you're supposed to come through the door really ready to rock and roll and help that program. Okay. So yeah, there are plenty of kids that they sign and then they take time off or they stop competing. They're not so serious anymore. You're really hurting that coach and program. 
if you do that because they think they're getting a certain type of level of player and then they're not. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've had discussions, you know, with Xander about that Pierre as well is that you've made a commitment and you know, do you want to hurt that program? Mm -hmm. Right. That that's, that's something that to me, if it was my child or, or my student that just does not sit well. Okay. So, so what do you do to, to keep him engaged? We're challenging him all the time. The work. I mean, I saw you go through this with Ronnie Holman too. So I, I know, <laughs> yeah. but well, we're, we're, we're constantly challenging the student in their head, in their mind, right? Maybe I'm competing with Xander. Maybe there's certain drills. We're trying to accomplish certain things, keeping them engaged, keeping them on track to continually getting better, right? Not the same old thing every single day, right? And great job. You hit tennis balls, you burn some calories, go home. Yeah. No, no. We're constantly throwing things at him to keep him engaged and keep developing all these different areas of his game, so that he is so complete and solid by the time he walks through the door. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, tournaments, I want him to start playing some professional events. Okay. Because those professional events are very, are basically the level of very high level college. Yeah. Right. Get your feet wet in that. Um, So there, there are a lot of things that, that he needs to do, you know, to have a very successful Ivy league tennis career. And, uh, you know, not only that, it's also my name and my reputation on the line, right? So when I, you know, send a player off and help a player go to a great college, you know, it's my name and and my business and my reputation that I'm sending a great player, a great kid who's going to really contribute great things to that, to that university, as well as to that tennis program. And so in this case, I saw all those all those things that this kid is going to do it. I knew it, right? I could tell by the energy that he came with every single day, how he wanted to learn, how fast he was learning, how fast he was implementing all the, all the things that Pierre, myself, Bruce, and Daniel were teaching him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for the next nine, 10 months, he's going to be playing some entry-level professional events. He's going to continue his daily training um, and he's going to be ready when he steps foot on that Brown campus next fall. Yeah. And, and, and he, and he plays the local UTRs, which are tremendous events. Um, you know, those are all the, the level of guys that he's going to be playing in, in college tennis. Sure. You know, you, you got you got to do well Yeah. or get beaten up. So, I mean, really the bottom line with all of this, Todd, and and the message that I would like the parents to take away from this conversation is that, A, it's never too late. If a kid is committed and is willing to put the work in and you find the right coach for them, there is an opportunity for them to continue developing and reach a high level in the sport, whether it's playing Division one, division two, II, division three, NAIA, junior college, Ivy League, whatever level of college tennis they want to play or going out on the pro tour. It's never too late if the commitment's there. And that's the big if, right? And and it doesn't matter 
where in the country you are. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you're playing indoors, outdoors, clay, hard courts. If the commitment's not there, it's not going to happen. And, and really, that's, to me, that's the message that I want to get across because I feel like there's this kind of mindset out there that, you know, if I, if I take my kid to the best coaches in the country, you know, that's all, that's the magic pill, right? That's the, the only thing I need to do is make sure they have the best coach in the country. Well, that's a part of it. But if the child's not committed to doing the work and the coach isn't committed to doing the work with the child, it doesn't matter how good the coach is, right? The, as you said at the very beginning of this conversation, you can lead a horse to water. That's that's it. That's all you can do as the coach. And the commitment has to be there on the part of the player. So I, I just, I feel like there've been a lot of discussions happening lately in our our Facebook group with the parents around, you know, why isn't my kid winning? Why should, should I move to Florida? Should I, you know, and I've talked to several families lately who are considering relocating for their child's tennis. And that's all well and good as long as the child has made the commitment. But if it's the parents forcing it, again, it doesn't matter where you are, or how good the coach is. They're not going to get there without that trust and that commitment. Yeah, you you need that. You you said it very very well. Um, and you know, if if for for the families, if you look at my social media, here's something that I believe is is so so important: is that you need to know who is training your child. Yes. Each and every single day, there's too much on who's my child going to hit with. Because understand this, is that if you do have a great coach, they are going to know how to help your son or daughter become a much better player, okay? It doesn't just happen where, hey, my, my child's hitting with better players and it's just, you know, hey, they're, they're just going to become much better. It does not work that way. A great coach is going to make the workout so good for your son or daughter and so productive that they are going to improve. Right. You don't have that. You need to know the background of the coach. What are their previous results? What is their experience? What are they good at? You know, you need to know all of these things. And can they put the proper amount of hours into your child every single day, every right. day? And, and that's build a player. Well, and coupled with that, is the child going to commit to doing what the coach is asking? Correct. It works both ways. Yeah. Commitment from everyone as well as the parents. For sure. Not just, you know, writing the check and, and paying for it. You know, the parents have to, you know, they have to be involved. They have to understand what's going on, you know, tournament scheduling. There's so many factors involved in, in building a tennis player. That it's, I, I, and I harp on this all the time. It's not just about groups and some tennis lessons. It's way more than that, right? right? For that player, nutritionally for that player, are they sleeping well, right? Are they, you know, their schoolwork, are they stressed out with school? Are they stressed out about maybe, you know, going to college? Are they having issues with their parents? Um, you know, all these things, the tournament scheduling, and then the, 
you know, technically the training, tactically, physically, all of these things, right, have to be in place for that particular child to really achieve what they would love to achieve. If, if something is off, they're going to struggle. It, that, that's just, it's, it's only them out there. Many things have to be in place for that, for that student to achieve what they would love to achieve. Right. And one of the things I love about our conversations, Todd, is, you know, there's no BS when you talk about this stuff. It's you lay it all out on the table very clearly. If you come across a coach and your child says, you know, I want to play D1 college tennis and the coach says, oh, great. okay, we're going to make that happen for you, but doesn't have a game plan for how to make that happen. And doesn't ask the player, him or herself, to make the commitment to doing the work to make that happen, you're with the wrong coach. It's just plain and simple. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the coach needs to understand the goals and what it's going to take and have the experience to be able to help that student you know, achieve what they would love to achieve. I mean, anybody can say, I'd love to play division one college tennis and, you know, a goal and a dream of mine, but, you know, between the student and the coach, what is the experience of that individual? That individual has that experience and they're great and they have a lot of knowledge and they've done it with a whole bunch of students previously and everything. Can that individual put the proper amount of hours into your child each and every day, as well as monitoring tournaments. Maybe you don't have to go to every tournament, but going to, you know, some of the tournaments to really see how your child is handling that type of pressure and atmosphere. For sure. For sure. Well, Todd, as always, it's been a pleasure chatting with you and nice way to end my week. I hope you feel the same way, but yeah, um, Great. yeah I'm, I'm really excited to see how Xander does the rest of the year and to watch him at Brown next year. I know um, he's really excited to get there and uh, he, he's a, a special kid and, and I'm pleased that he's finding the success and being able to reach the goals that he had set for himself and congratulations to you for helping him get there because he knew his dad knew and you knew he needed that extra push. So well done. Well, thank you. But really it's about the student. Yeah. I'm just thing. And this was a kid that really wanted it. He wanted to come out and do it every single day. And so that excites me when I have students like that, that's what really excites me to go out and try to help them do that. Yeah. Yeah, that that's the beauty of what I do. Love it. Well, it's been great chatting with you. Thanks for coming on again. Absolutely. Absolutely. To our audience, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at ParentingAces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.